Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to be talking about the immediate aftermath of the Dunkirk evacuation. Um, if we've got time we'll get on to talking about the beginnings of the Battle of Britain but I'd prefer to do that in a, a separate podcast. The uh, difficulty that Britain found itself at the end of the evacuation can't be uh, understated. Of course, Churchill, when he was addressing the um, House of Commons in the uh, uh, Fight Them on the Beaches speech, um, he essentially said, well, he said um, that it cannot be understated that this was a colossal military catastrophe and wars are not won through uh, evacuations. On June the 4th, um, Roosevelt, to one of his um, chief uh, chiefs of staff, says, <clears throat> I might guess this wrong, uh, and it's nothing more than a guess, and if I should guess wrong, the results might be serious. If we should send some destroyers across, they would be of no particular use to the Allies, but they might serve further to enrage Hitler. We cannot tell the turn that the war will take, and there is no use endangering ourselves unless we can achieve some results for the Allies. Um, the um, chief of staff uh, involved said, um, the president was in a delicate position. If you do send some help with bad consequences to ourselves, the people will blame you, just as they will blame you if you don't send help and the Allies are crushed. In June 1940, Roosevelt seems to come to some answers about the, the dilemmas um, that face him. Um, the question of uh, whether the uh, Allies, uh, the, the British and hopefully the French, if they survive, uh, should have uh, American aircraft, the uh, many thousands of new aircraft pouring across production lines. Um, the answer to that was yes. Um, should the US Army transfer its own equipment to Britain um, to make good the losses at Dunkirk? And could the US Navy release destroyers that Churchill requested. Churchill uh, engaged in a telegram with Roosevelt an offer of um, destroyers for bases. It transpires that the 50 destroyers that were released to the Royal Navy actually uh, were quite old and uh, of not a great deal of use. Uh, but the offer, the value of the offer, was more in its symbolism 
of showing that America was beginning to commit to Great Britain. Isolationists in um, Roosevelt's um, cabinet, such as the Secretary of War Harry H. Woodring and Air Force General Hap Arnold, were threatened with uh, demotion and uh, dismissal if they didn't embrace Roosevelt's plan to uh, throw a lifeline to Great Britain. And within weeks, dissenting voices had been purged from the cabinet, and Roosevelt, uh, a more decisive figure than he had been in the previous five years, where throughout the uh, part term of the second New Deal he'd faced all sorts of um, uh, setbacks and problems, but is now uh, able to fully engage with uh, the war and becomes really starts to transition to being a war president here even though hostilities for the United States had not yet begun. And yet, as tens of thousands of rifles, uh, machine guns, over 100 million rounds of ammunition, artillery pieces, and uh, other essential bits of equipment started to be loaded onto British ships, American officers who were overseeing the process were aghast, knowing that the United States of America's uh, army had not yet fully... Uh, mobilised or grown in sufficient size to fight a conflict with Germany. And the sight of valuable munitions leaving American shores uh, left some American soldiers feeling decidedly uncomfortable. Though by uh, June the 22nd, um, the view that um, Joseph Kennedy uh, had sent back to uh, the White House was that now the possibility of an invasion of Great Britain um, and a total defeat of the British was in sight. And the fear was that this um, freshly delivered war material would be of no use, perhaps wouldn't even be uh, unloaded from British docks by the time a swastika was flying over the Houses of Parliament. And this would simply hand uh, an immense amount of war material to the Germans, uh, cause problems for uh, America, and be of no use to the British at all. Two-thirds of the American public thought that Britain was about to lose the war, and the chiefs of staff who served Roosevelt all believed he was making a mistake in sending aid to Britain, that perhaps Britain should be allowed to fall, and the defence of America could be better uh, conducted through a defence of the Americas themselves, perhaps making sure that North and the North and South American continents were fully uh, defended uh, by the US Navy, Air Forces and other branches of the, the US military. The British uh, knew, and Churchill was absolutely certain of this, that the only way to uh, secure American aid, or perhaps even secure America's role in the war, was to show to uh, American lawmakers, uh, to the executive, and to the American public that the British were doing everything they could to fight as hard as they possibly could against the Germans. The impression that the British were sitting back and hoping for a miracle would certainly sink British chances in the USA. Churchill also had an eye on the US presidential elections of 1940, knowing that uh, isolationist Wendell Wilkie was going up against Roosevelt and that it was entirely possible 
that Roosevelt may lose, and a America first candidate, uh, i.e. an isolationist not wishing to become uh, involved in the war, uh, would be in the White House by the January of 1941. Churchill was something of a fan of propaganda through deed, and the destruction of the French fleet at Mirza el-Kabir near Iran in French Algeria is a good example. Churchill needed to show to the uh, United States that Great Britain was still in the fight. Um, the, uh, there were ships from the French fleet that were notionally under the control of the new Vichy government um, that had um, laid anchor in North Africa. They were fully combat ready and there were French crews still aboard so they were a significant threat if the uh, nature of the Vichy regime turned out to be truly antagonistic towards Great Britain. Churchill was also minded of the fact that the fleet at Oran could well be used as part of the invasion force for Britain and could take on the Royal Navy or parts of the Royal Navy at sea while uh, Hitler's invasion fleet that was being uh, prepared uh, in the Netherlands uh, landed on the south coast. So, after having informed uh, Roosevelt uh, about the threat of the fleet at Oran, a task force was sent to Mirza el Khibir. Uh, the uh, Royal Naval Commander James Somerville uh, was sent out to deliver to the French an ultimatum. And the ultimatum read thus. It is impossible for us, your comrades, up to now, to allow your fine ships to fall into the power of the German enemy. We are determined to fight on until the end, and if we win, as we think we shall, we shall never forget that France was our ally, that our interests are the same as hers, and that our common enemy is Germany. Should we conquer, we solemnly declare that we shall restore the greatness of the ter- and territory of France. For this purpose, we must make sure that the best ships of the French Navy are not used against us by the common foe. In these circumstances, His Majesty's government have instructed me to demand that the French fleet now at Mirs el Khabir and Oran shall act in accordance with one of the following alternatives. A. Sail with us and continue the fight until victory against the Germans. B. Sail with reduced crews under our control to a British port. Reduced crews will be repatriated at the earliest moment. If either of these courses is adopted by you, we will restore your ships to France at the conclusion of the war or pay full compensation if they are damaged meanwhile. C. Alternatively, if you feel bound to stipulate that your ships should not be used against the Germans, lest they break the armistice, then sail them with us with reduced crews to some French port in the West Indies, Martinique for instance, where they can be demilitarised to our satisfaction, or perhaps entrusted to the United States and remain safe until the end of the war, if the crews being repa- are being repatriated. If you refuse these fair offers... I must, with profound regret, require you to sink your ships within six hours. Finally, failing the above, I have orders from His Majesty's government to use whatever force may be necessary to prevent your ships from falling into German hands. The French uh, refused the offer, uh, the offers laid out by Somerville, and the result was um, the HMS Hood, the HMS Valiant, the HMS Resolution, and the Ark Royal and a, a shield of escorts and uh, cruisers uh, opened fire 
upon the Dunkirk and the Strasbourg and five other French battleships, of which uh, one was sunk, uh, two battleships were damaged, three destroyers, French destroyers were damaged, uh, one runs aground, and 1,297 French sailors are killed. This alone sours relationships between not just, obviously, Vichy France and Great Britain throughout the war, but the free French, who never forgive what happened at the uh, at Merzeur-Hébert. From the French point of view, the, the handing over of the pride of the French fleet to British control was a, an insult to French national pride and to uh, francophone sensibilities. The French had already endured a terrific humiliation at the hands of the Germans, and French naval officers were damned if they were going to endure a second humiliation at the hands of Great Britain. Somerville and a great many British sailors were disgusted and ashamed at what had happened and felt horrified about the way... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. They had uh, treated up until that point uh, an allied navy. However... Churchill was able to present to Roosevelt clear and unambiguous evidence about Britain's resolve and Britain's willingness to do what it took to win the war. On the 18th of June 1940, Churchill spoke to the House of Commons again. He said, What General Wigand called the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole might and fury of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, Europe may be free and the life of the world move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail then the whole world, including the United States, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. That speech often, there's often a lot of confusion that surrounds it. 
Um, it's assumed um, Finest Hour uh, is normally on the front of a history book with a Spitfire or a Spitfire crew, uh, and it's assumed that it was uh, a reference to the actual RAF who had, you know, been fighting the Battle of Britain up until that point. And well, whilst hostilities were beginning over the Channel, the uh, Battle of Britain's really to kind of play out uh, at this point. And Churchill wasn't really specifically talking about the RAF in this moment, but he was talking about British civilization and about the the nation itself and its ability to uh, have resolve and to fight on. Max Hastings, uh, in his book All Hell Let Loose, makes an interesting point uh, about the folly uh, of what follows next from Hitler's uh, perspective, that um, the success of the Nazi invasion across Europe, which had taken Hitler by surprise, um, led to a, a kind of a, a complacency, uh, particularly with Hitler, a belief that no matter what, the British were about to crumble. Um, the attack that would follow, the Battle of Britain, wasn't sufficiently well thought through by the uh, Luftwaffe and by Hitler it wasn't um, sufficiently well uh, resourced. The Luftwaffe were not designed. The Luftwaffe was not designed really for this kind of air campaign. It was more kind of a battlefield tool as a uh, a system for city bombing, uh, and the invasion fleet that was being uh, prepared was a real kind of ad hoc, improvised uh, sort of thing. It was. Uh, the most of the ships, uh, most of the landing ships were barges that probably wouldn't have fared very well on the choppy North Sea, particularly not if the Royal Navy had turned up. So the whole thing is done very badly. The uh, pilots of the Luftwaffe who are shot down uh, over England and who are interrogated later on, universities seem to think that the uh, Battle of Britain was you know, a bit of a sideshow anyway and not anything of, of real great importance. And when uh, Adolf Galland, the Luftwaffe fighter ace, who uh, at the end of the war uh, was uh, interviewed again by the, the Allies, he, he, he concurred. He said that there were much, much more important things um, to the Third Reich happening and that for many Luftwaffe pilots... Um, quite what the Battle of Britain was for, uh, was was unknown. Max Hastings says that it would perhaps have been better for uh, Hitler to have uh, left Churchill's people, as he put it, to stew on their island, and that by attacking Britain, he gave Churchill easy morale victories and the impression that the British in the Battle of Britain had scored an immense success at the end of it. Now, perhaps that's being uh, slightly too harsh, because the reality is that when the British do emerge from the the Battle of Britain, when the uh, campaign against Britain peters out by the autumn of 1940, it presents Hitler with an irreconcilable military dilemma. The British won't give up, and that at some point in the near future, and Hitler is uh, not blind to this possibility that the British Isles will become a launch pad for continental invasion, particularly when America inevitably joins the war. Despite 
Churchill's public pronouncements, the threat of an amphibious landing uh, from the continent was less likely than had, had previously appeared. Certainly, if you look at uh, Alan Brooks' war diaries, who later becomes Churchill's chief of imperial general staff, he's absolutely certain it's going to happen and deeply afraid of Britain's uh, very limited resources, particularly Britain's lack of armour. Had uh, a panzer division landed on the South Downs, there would have been virtually nothing to stop it charging towards London. However, the uh, the lack of uh, shipping to get the troops across the Channel was a significant issue. The uh, German Kriegmarine was much, much smaller than the Royal Navy, and, Ger- and Hitler had never imagined that he would need an amphibious landing fleet to attack the British Isles. And if you th- imagine how much planning was put into D-Day, um, you know, 18 months' worth, and uh, the accumulation and design and building of it, amphibious landing crafts was a long-term project. The uh, intelligence that went into D-Day, for example, with um, British and American Navy divers um, crawling onto the beaches at night to take samples of sand to see how dense the sand was and how much traction a tank could get going up the beaches. These were the kinds of things that made D-Day possible. And the fact that Hitler had done none of this and that the uh, threat to invade uh, the British Isles was really a, an ad hoc and um, off-the-cuff, off the spur-of-the-moment concept, really suggests that it was unlikely to have, have succeeded. Also, the occupation of Great Britain did not fulfil any of Hitler's ideological uh, goals, Hitler did not see that there was any value in creating some kind of Lebensraum in Britain, and the British really are nothing if not just a complete and utter nuisance as far as Hitler is concerned. All he would have been seeking to do would be to install a puppet government and pacify the British, keep them out of his plans, and perhaps even with a, a fascist regime active in Britain have them join in. But it's certainly no way near the significance that the invasion of the Soviet Union holds. Part of the problem here was that the ability of the German army had been now greatly overestimated by the British, who had seen it in action in France and had experienced, many uh, senior officers had experienced Dunkirk and uh, thought that the uh, Wehrmacht was unstoppable. Churchill himself had his doubts about an invasion, but firstly it offered him some of the greatest propaganda uh, victories of his career. It helped him to uh, present himself as a unified and national figure, and also it helped to galvanise the war effort and to help to develop a national mood of resistance to keep Britain in the war. There was a very great fear that some kind of renewed phony war might begin and that Britain might lapse back into uh, essentially nothing more than a war of rhetoric with Nazi Germany. When the air war over Britain began, the RAF were in the best position that they had been in. In fact, the British military was in the best position it had been in to actually take on German forces with some degree um, of 
the territory that the Luftwaffe were flying over was mapped and controlled with probably the most sophisticated air defence system in the world at the time, courtesy of Hugh Dowding. Um, we'll talk more about him in the next Battle of Britain podcast. Um, uh, a um, brilliant and inspired uh, Air Force leader who was uh, treated appallingly by Churchill at the end of the Battle of Britain. Despite the fact that the tactical doctrine of the Royal Air Force was clumsy and out of date and the 303 um, machine guns in Spitfires and Hurricanes were fairly weedy compared to the nose cannon of a Messerschmitt, the, uh, the reality was that the Germans were the invading force. They had further to come, they had further to fly and the British were able to outproduce the uh, the Luftwaffe uh, in terms of new aircraft. But again, this is all stuff for a, a separate Battle of Britain podcast because we're kind of out of time now. Anyway, so here we talked about the consequences of the fall of France and the Dunkirk evacuation. And what we can see is that they totally upended all the strategic positions of each of the belligerent powers for good and ill, and a new kind of war from the summer of 1940 starts to emerge, and we'll talk more about this in subsequent podcasts. Anyway, thanks very much, hope you'd enjoy this, and uh, I'll catch you on the next podcast. If you can, give us a good thumbs up on iTunes, I know a lot of you have been leaving some great comments there, and also, if you can, support our Patreon campaign, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll be much obliged if you do. Thanks, all the rest, bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.